0: Greetings, everybody. Welcome back to Top 10 with Kyle and Mike. I am your co-host, Kyle. Obviously, across from you today is your co-host, Mike. Before we get started today, just a quick note. This podcast is now available in its entirety on Spotify. So if that is your preferred medium, we have been hard at work behind the scenes putting that up there for you. Um, Getting into today's episode, as we do every week, we will have a topic prepared. This week, it is Mike's topic. I do not know what this topic is, Mike will present his list to me, we will then vigorously debate until we have a definitive top 10. Mike, what are we doing this week? Alright Kyle, before we hop into this, I want to correct the record. Uh, You said something about we've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes. Just for the listening audience, if we did a top 10 hardest working members of the top 10 family, number one, Kyle, number 10, me. With that out of the way, we're going to be talking about a topic that Kyle and I love. We've been doing a lot of crowd pleasers lately, but uh, this is still our pod. So we're going to talk about something that's very important to us and that's very topical. So we are recording this pod on April 4th, meaning we're about one week into the 2018 Major League Baseball season. Yes. So we're going to be doing a baseball top 10 this week. And no, it is not the top 10 best hairs on Mike Trout's head or the top 10 craziest Mike Trout stats, or anything Mike Trout related, we're going to be talking about the best bad body baseball players. (laughs) Yes! Oh my god, this is going to be awesome. Uh, This is one that everyone can enjoy, I think. Uh, I hope so. Maybe even more so than the best body baseball players (laughs) yeah this is a little bit inspired by uh by the jaunt we took down this road uh in the world of nfl quarterbacks Mm. but what it's really inspired by is the fact that baseball is still america's pastime uh viewership has been declining especially among the younger set but there are a lot of theories as to why baseball is so beloved i think this is really one of them baseball is a really democratic sport and that you do not have to be an Adonis to be good at it. In fact, many of the great baseball players out there have some pretty bad bodies. Yeah, I can think of a couple right off the top that I'm sure will make the list. Yeah. Um, it is It is fun to imagine. <clears throat> I assume when as I as I age and develop more and more of a beer gut, my yeah. appreciation for the sport of baseball will increase as I mm-hmm. picture myself atop the mound still rotund at age 30 or whatever yep um so quick question yes are these active players or are we talking any player we're talking any player i we're gonna skew a little bit towards the recent players um because that's the group with which i'm most familiar i will say uh some folks near the top of the list are, are from the annals of baseball's glory days who have, uh, who have some interesting bodies. But generally speaking, we're going to be talking mostly pretty recent players. Excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, let's, let's roll into it. Who's number 10? Alright, number 10 is not one player, but a family of players. Number ten is the, I, <laughs> that's the Molina simple The most li- the Molina's trace. <laughs> yes, the Molina's trace. So I've got a couple of data points that I collected <laughs> on some of our players, just to try to bring some structure to this. Um, so a couple of things that I'm looking at are: what did they have a great fat guy or bad body nickname? What is their career war? So for our listeners, war is a statistic. Uh, it stands for wins above replacement. Basically, the theory is you're setting a player next to what an average MLB player would be. So if your war is zero, that means you're an average MLB player. If your war is five, over the course of a season, you would be worth five wins versus a player of that level. Wins above replacement, excuse me. I I was describing wins above average there. Yeah, so so actually, a zero war player is actually not an average major league player. They're just replacement level. So if your war is zero... You're literally contributing nothing to your team. You're also not detracting from your team. Yes. You're just you're just you're just kind of there. Basically, so any... they ought to be able to bring somebody up on a bus from AAA tomorrow who can contribute exactly what you're contributing. Right, exactly. So if you're a win, if you have one war in a given year, you're one win. You theoretically contributed one win to your team more than a replacement level would have. Exactly. Um so we're looking at war as kind of a general measure of how good the player is. And then we're going to look at a sort of a potpourri section, generally with a statistical bent. So the Molinas, among them have one great fat guy nickname, which is Big Money. Uh, I believe that was for Benji Molina, was was nicknamed it, Big Money? It has to be Benji, because yeah. no one would ever call Jose Molina Big Money. because He, he just, just wouldn't get a nickname, yeah. He wasn't good enough, yeah. and it couldn't have been Yadier, because... Benji's bigger than Yadier. Yeah. And the problem with Yadier, his contribution to the Molina family on this list is kind of middling, because he gets fat sometimes, and then he trims down. No, like, the last two years, Yadier yeah. Molina is skinny here. Yeah. <laughs> Just like Jonah Hill, I don't like skinny version as much as I like fat version. Yes. But worth noting, this is not fat guy players. Yes, yeah. we skew towards fat guy, but even <laughs> thinner Yachty or Molina's body is kind of weird. It's a little bit like Jonah Hill when he's trim. It's kind of still a little strange. It just doesn't look right. Yeah. So among the Molina siblings, they have a career war of about 50, which was higher than I expected. Yes. Wow. The lion's share of that is coming from Yadier Molina. Yeah. (laughs) The best season of all of them uh, came in 2012. Yadier had an OPS of about 875 and a defensive war of three. Yeah, I buy that. just outstanding. Hell of a player. Good, bad body family. It's worth noting that all three Molinas are catchers or were catchers. Yadier Mm -hmm. still plays. Which I think... Makes it even funnier because, like, it's easy to imagine, like, kind of a plotting, kind of squat dude, kind of hunkering down at first base or pitching. Mm I feel like there are even a lot of pitchers on this list. There are a couple pitchers on this list. It is quite another to imagine a rotund person resting on their knees for nine innings a game. That's a beating. You could weigh, you could be... The most in shape guy, weighing 165 pounds, and that would do a number on your knees. But when you're Molina, tipping the scales at, I don't, I don't want to guess, but some high, high weight. That, that's a little tough on the knees. At the end of his career, Benji, I bet was at least 260, two sixty, two seventy. Oh yeah, I would think. Yeah, big guy. Yep. <laughs> so the Molina is checking in at number ten. Uh, number nine, a guy who, when I look at his stats, are a little bit better than I even thought. Uh, number nine is CC Sabathia. Oh. So, CC does not have a great fat guy or out of shape guy nickname. He does have a career war of 60, which is significantly higher than I remembered. Yeah, Mike, he's a Hall of Famer, I think. I think he might be, because he won the Cy Young in 2007. He pitched 240 innings that season and pitched about 220 to 240 for a stretch of like six or seven years there. But the most important thing about CC Sabathia, for those of you who aren't as into the stats, the most important stat is, reportedly, no player on the New York Yankees has ever required more pinstripes on his uniform. (laughs) The fact that I've heard that stat and that it exists absolutely cements his place on this list absolutely i doubt it's true but i really like the idea that he's so wide he requires more pinstripes than anybody in the history of the yankees it's funny that because when he went to the yankees yeah he like the stripes somehow made like there's vertical stripes are supposed to be slimming they they just didn't have that effect maybe it's because he just got fatter as he got older But, like, I remember like, when I think of him in, like, an Indians or a Brewers uniform, I'm like, that's a yeah. tall guy. He's a big guy. Yeah. But when I think of him in the pinstripes, I'm like, that's yeah. a fat guy. He <laughs> wasn't, he wasn't really, like, a fat guy yet on the Indians. He was more of, like, a big dude. The Brewers was that year he pitched a, a truly extraordinary number of innings and was incredible. Uh But the Yankees, the problem with the Yankees is that their uniform kind of looks like pajamas. And... <laughs> <laughs> he's he looks like a bowling pin in that. It seems to really accentuate the middle of his body in a way that's not flattering to him. But reports of his demise have been greatly exaggerated. The guy's actually pitched okay the last couple of years. Honestly, the fa- the la- these last couple of years are gonna vault him into that like fringe hall of fame because he's been playing for the Yankees and racking up wins, so I think he's probably close to, or over like 250. Yeah, but he's he's been solid and especially last year in the playoffs, like his turn through the rotation was a was solid, if not spectacular, which is pretty impressive considering the stuff that he went through for, like the last a couple years ago. Yeah, it's been so. a tough little been a tough little stretch for him. But the big thing about CC that I, I just want to kind of end with is the Yankees have a long history of signing guys who are past their prime. So they have a lot of great contenders. <laughs> for chunky guys playing some decent baseball very few have been so chunky and played so well that's true (laughs) all right coming in at number eight is an all-time favorite of mine I actually have a home run ball of his uh in my house that my grandfather got for me number eight Mo Vaughn nicknamed the hit dog Mo Vaughn was a slugger for the Red Sox when I was growing up um I will share with you one of the legendary stories about him after I get a little bit of your reaction. Um (laughs) I I'm looking at pictures of him now. Oh my god. Well, first of all, he actually looks pretty trim in these Red Sox pictures. But boy, he was like you know how people say that people are barrel chested? Yeah. When he played for the Mets, it looks like it looks like he's wearing a um like a, uh, like a light, like a, um, you know, like a life preserver or like, mm-hmm. a, you know, like a, an inflatable vest under his jersey when he played for the Mets. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, so Mo Vaughn, I was looking at some of his career stats. They're pretty remarkable in their variety. So in 1996, he had 143 RBI and an OPS over a thousand. But w- the stat that I found most remarkable for him was that playing first base, he racked up a career defensive war of negative 12. Wow. So that means, just <laughs> kind of generally speaking, you could have put, like, a traffic cone at first base and essentially gotten the same defensive performance that you got out of Movan. Yeah, I mean, he cost... <laughs> That's an exaggeration, <laughs> but not, like, an extreme one. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is pretty horrific what he was able to do. But, uh, but the biggest thing, so locally, the biggest thing that gets Mo on on this list is there's a very famous uh, gentleman's club in Providence, Rhode Island called the Foxy <laughs> Lady. Um, no, we are not affiliated with the Foxy Lady and are no way advertising its services. But it's a very famous nightclub uh, in Providence, Rhode Island, which is a quick trip down from Boston that has been frequented by Boston area athletes for many years so there was a uh there's a radio show that had people calling in just like you know hey i saw athletes stories mm-hmm. and this one guy calls in long story short he and his buddies are at the foxy lady uh it's like a wednesday afternoon for some reason they're at, at this strip club in in the middle of the day and they're sitting up front taking in the sights sure and some dude walks in taps them on the shoulder says hey man you know do you mind uh to, you, know, you know take a different table and they're like you know, hey, come on, we're just here sitting, there's nobody in the club, whatever. The guy comes back, he's like, hey, we'd really love the table, we've got a regular customer. Goes on. Finally, in walks Mo Vaughan, uh, and he's he's like, hey guys, you know, if this is my usual seat, I'd really love to have this seat, I'd be very happy, I'll pay for your food. They're like, hey, it's Movon. sure, okay, they move, he sits down, finally, They're sitting at their table and overcomes this truly unbelievable platter of buffalo wings, like in the order of like 70 buffalo wings. And they're like, geez, we're never going to eat these buffalo wings. They look to the front of the club. There's Mo Vaughn. Eating an entire platter of these 70 buffalo wings himself. (laughs) He's the front row of a strip club in (laughs) Providence, Rhode Island on a Wednesday at like noon. He has a trash (laughs) barrel, an actual (laughs) trash, a trash barrel seated next to him and he's throwing chicken wings (laughs) into this as he's watching the strippers. Oh, Mo Vaughn, Mo problems. Yeah, Mo problems. So that's Mo Vaughn's place. That reminds me of, uh, for you Parks and Rec fans out there, when Ron yes! orders the party platter. Yep. Sir, that feeds 12. I know what I'm about, son. <laughs> yes, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of Ron Swanson connections, because there's the one where he's at the strip club. I think it's the Glitter Factory, and he's enjoying their breakfast buffet. And he says he's not much for the strip clubs, but he never passes up a free breakfast. And I'm not sure how much on cared about what was happening on stage. I think he was there for the wings. I'd like to think that he also had breakfast there. Yeah, he probably did. So, so Mo Vaughan, Uh Checking in at number seven, sort of on the opposite end of the spectrum of likability, is one of the most eminently unlikable people in the history of baseball. Mm. Um, number seven, Kurt Schilling. Ugh. So, Kurt Schilling is not spectacular in his heft, the way some of these players are. So, his actual number when he steps on the scale probably wasn't that outrageous. But my goodness, if you're not, if you don't have a mental image, Google him. Just a horrific body. Oh, lumpy in all the wrong places. He just is not much to look at. No, he's like, and I know we're just talking about body here. But yeah. He just also, like, he just really doesn't look like he should be a baseball player. No, but worth noting, going through his statistics, man, dude was a baseball player. His career war was 80 80! That's, that's, just for reference, everybody, Yeah. 70 career war is pretty much considered, like, the, the, enough to get you into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So, 80 is, yeah. like, first ballot stuff. That's crazy. Absolutely. And, uh, I am very proud to be part of the group that wants him to stay out of the Hall of Fame forever. I think he faked the bloody sock. Oh, wow, hot take. I do. I think he faked the bloody sock. I think he was a jerk for his whole career and then the post-career stuff we don't even need to get into. Um, but man, he was he was excellent on the field in spite of a truly awful body. He looked like a soft a slow pitch softball pitcher. Yeah. Just, yeah. Oof. He like had those like really skinny legs, too. Yeah. Bird legs. He's a classic yeah. bird leg. Just uh, just gross. He's the first person on this list that like because the first three, you could look at them and be like, those guys have some power in their bodies. Like, yes. Sister Sabathia <laughs> is big up top, but he's got some big legs. Like, that guy's driving to home plate. He's throwing some serious heat. The Molinas, uh, maybe not so much. <laughs> They're but like Mo- softball players. But like, you can say, okay, I, I can see where the power's coming from. Yeah. Kurt Schilling, it's like, how did he, how did he pitch with those skinny little legs and that, like, dead weight on top? <laughs> very very top heavy. Yeah, it's a very confusing situation, but uh, hell of a baseball player. Yeah, that is true. All right, so I'm going to recap 10 to 7, because that's yeah. the part of the show where we recap. Ex- Absolutely. Way to go, Mike. Yep. Number 10, the Molina family. Number 9, CeCe Sabathia. Number 8, Mo Hit Dog Vaughn. Number 7, Kurt Chilling. All right. So that brings us to our not top three. Yeah, which in this case would be baseball players with the best bodies. Yeah, would it not? It would. I can think one off the top. Yeah, of my this head. list. This list. We can go through the exercise if we want, but there's one player. There's a, there's really one guy on this list. So, Giancarlo <laughs> Stanton is <Yeah. laughs> among the most beautiful men. Yeah, I would say in professional sports, not just baseball. Yeah, absolutely. What is he six? Six. six six, I think he's listed. And w- w- what, like two forty? Ah, more than that. I think he's. I think he's about two sixty. Two sixty. Yeah. It is exclusively. Yeah. Finely, finely toned and tanned muscle. Yeah. We had the amazing privilege of looking at Mr. John Carlos Stanton in the ESPN Body Issue. Yeah. He 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 looks like he is carved of marble. He's got like. Like, a a statuesque face. And, like, he's got these... Like, he's not... He's not, like, the classic Adonis type where he's got... His shoulders are broad, but not crazy broad. Yeah. His waist is real tiny. He's just... He's just... I'm sure that... I think they... Either he was oiled up, or I think in the actual picture, like, they actually were, like, spraying him with a hose or something. Like, Mm -hmm. there was water involved. Yeah. It was like looking at a unicorn. Yeah, it's ridiculous. He doesn't, he looks too muscular to be functional, but holy shit, that man is functional. He hit a home run today, which oh, was ho hum. I mean, this is ho hum in this man's career. The ball left his bat at 117 miles an hour and traveled 460 feet, I think it was. Ho hum. This is a man who at Marlins ballpark. Literally broke the scoreboard. He hit the ball so hard that it broke... Like, it busted a panel. Like, a la The Natural. Like, this guy is superhuman. And he has the physical, like, attributes. Like, it's exactly what you would expect from him. Like, it's really pleasing to look at him because the amazingness of his talent is perfectly mirrored in his gorgeousness and physique. Absolutely. And that's... And and he... Would be what was, what's great about like the NFL. Cause you look at these guys, you say, wow, that's a guy who's got a functional looking body and look, it works. He is, does not represent Major League Baseball because he really is a unicorn. You look at a guy like him with the trim waist, all the, all the trappings of muscularity, all this stuff. That is not what you're getting when you look across the league. No. There's no, I'm, I'm trying to think now of like yeah. well, who we can round this list out with. There's a and couple there's, others. I mean, Gabe Kapler was was in great shape, but he stunk as a baseball player. Have you seen him? He's been in the news lately because he yeah, he's like he's series. had a little bit of trouble managing. He's still incredibly small. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, yeah, I was thinking um, for uh, as a as a skinnier fella myself, I can mm. appreciate the the tone kind of smaller fella, and. Um, Ichiro Suzuki actually has a really nice spot. Yeah, He's very kind of tightly packed uh, Japanese man. He's a good looking guy. He takes care of his body even though he's approaching like 43 or 44. He still looks good. And I know this is less about the hair, but he's got the great salt and pepper that absolutely (laughs) I really like Ichiro. Um, It's fun to see him play for the Mariners again this year. I totally Um, agree. Uh, did you have any more you were thinking of? No, I, I I, basically figured we would talk about Giancarlo for a little bit. Yeah, and then Gabe Kapler and Ichiro are like bonus, not top threeers. But really, it's worth everyone's time yeah. to take a gander at Mr. Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah, worth you- your time if you're listening to this and you're not totally familiar with any of these players. Really worth your time to get a visual on some of these. Yeah, especially him. Yeah. Real quick note. Just to prove that Yankee fans are the yes. worst people on this planet they're garbage except people. except of course for our dear dear friend John. Not talking about you John. No, John, if you're listening, you are the best. We love you. However, because... your fellow fans are garbage because yeah, they're toilet people. They booed John Carlos Stanton on his first home game <laughs> as a Yankee. How dare you? How dare you? He's like Oh, he's clearly gonna be a Hall of Famer. He's the best. He's like arguably top three player in baseball and he will be for the next ten years. How dare you? How dare you? Unbelievable. I hate, I hate you all Yankees fans. I hate you. Except John. Yes, except John. You're the best. Okay. Number six. Number six, this guy has two remarkable things going for him. One, his nickname. Two, his defensive war is like, you you can't even believe what it is. So, checking in at number six is Adam Dunn. Oh, I had him on my list here. (laughs) What's Adam Dunn's nickname for the crowd, for the people in the back? Do you remember? Yes, Adam Dunn was known (laughs) as, was it just the big donkey? Yes. Yeah. Not just the donkey; he was yes. the big donkey. Yep. <laughs> so Adam Dunn is like, yeah, he just looks like a two by four. Like he's <laughs> like he, his, he's like it, it, it. Didn't help that his batting stance was so upright. Yeah, he's just like this plank of man, incredibly yep. white with this like sandy, like lumberjacky kind of beard. Yep. Maybe that's why I'm associating him with lumber. But yeah, he's like just a, <laughs> and like imagine. Playing a 2x4 at first base or in right field, that's about as useful as Adam Dunn was in the field. He also has... So, I would say 2x4 is a good description of him. But a couple other things that I picture when I picture him... One, I picture Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell is a good, like, sort of starting image body-wise if you're interested. (laughs) Um, But the other thing is I picture, like, a cartoon bear... He sort of looks like Yogi Bear. He sort of has a similar body. He's just, like, tall and straight up and down at all points. He's especially fun because, like, (laughs) he didn't move very much when he was playing defense. No, no, no. And he didn't move very much when he was hitting. No. Adam Dunn is basically the poster child for what in baseball is known as a three-outcome player, which means that when he comes up to the plate, he's usually doing one of three things. Yes. He's striking out. (laughs) He's <laughs> just yeah, walking back honest. to the bench Yep, He's walking Which means he's literally just walking to first base yep. Or he's hitting a home run Which mm-hmm. means he's just walking Around the bases so, Kyle like- I'm so glad you brought this up Because I looked up the statistic for him Adam Dunn is the all time career leader In the three outcomes <laughs> <laughs> He is Just a hair Like a, a literal hair Under 50% so, basically, yes. That's insane! It's unbelievable. Basically, half of Adam Dunn's <laughs> career was spent either walking back to the bench, walking to first base, or trotting in a leisurely fashion around <laughs> the bases. Half of his career. That's absurd. And um that doesn't even take into account the fact that he spent a really significant portion of his career just de-aging, which means that he didn't even have to be in the field. He just Yes. So, like, if you were talking play 60, like, you're talking to Michelle Obama about was Adam Dunn getting his play 60 in per day? No. Like, he's an MLB player who's, (laughs) you know, nominally playing a sport for 180 minutes a day. He was doing nothing. He was chewing seeds, presumably chewing tobacco, drinking Gatorade, and doing nothing. Yeah, and... Honestly, like, even if he puts the ball in play, if he hits a grounder or a fly ball, hustling that thing. he's not hustling. So, like, it's it's possible to envision a scenario where he could go, like, several weeks at a time without yeah. ever actually exerting himself. Yes. I which, would say it's reasonable to say he probably exerted himself twice a week. Yeah. He probably hit a double. And I would say one of those times had to do with baseball. Yes, Yes. the other time, he was, like, bailing hay. Or, or like, breathing heavily, like, trying to down a whole 70-wing platter. (laughs) He's having a particularly large chalupa. Yeah, I I feel like I've been a little misleading in calling him a 2x4. Just a 2x4 in the sense that he's very long. Yes, no, it's fair. He's literally straight, left and right, he is straight up and down. But... I don't want anyone to be confused. A very appropriate name is also the big donkey because he's just yes. like a big like surly looking slow donkey of a man. It's perfect yeah. for him. Um the last statistic I want to share is just from the defensive war standpoint again, Kyle, what would you estimate with with having that sort of background of Movons being minus twelve? what do you think Adam Dunn's career defensive war is? <sighs> You're more of a liability in the outfield, I think. Based yep. in for the statistic, and he played a long time in right field for the Reds mm-hmm. and the Diamondbacks. Yes. I wonder if his career defensive war was closer to, like, twice that. Like, maybe negative 20. It was negative 29. Oh, my God! <laughs> Minus 29! Wow. Yes. That's insane. Yep. That's, like, if you're a career 30 war player... Yeah. You're halfway to the Hall of Fame, so if yeah. he was halfway like that. That's like that's unfathomable how yes. much he costs his teams. Just yep. wow! <laughs> it's really interesting as you think about the shift in baseball and the way things have changed. Guys like this used to be very, very valuable in the eyes of people who were paying the money. That is changing because you have got to do an awful lot of really good hitting. To overcome that level of defensive ineptitude. Yeah, I mean, even if he was at a Hall of Fame level at the plate, which he wasn't, like, that really drags you down. Oh, yeah. Whew, okay. (laughs) Adam done, everybody. Yeah, checking in at number five, this guy has a nickname that I just love. I didn't know this was his nickname, so you can probably confirm for me that people really called him this, but it was so perfect. Number five, Prince Fielder. Ah. Very so good. Prince Fielder's nickname evidently was Uncle Phil. Is this true? <laughs> Is this true? Oh god. <laughs> That's that may be true. <laughs> Prince Fielder was only a Detroit Tiger for like 80 minutes. So yeah. I don't think anyone had time to think of nicknames for him. To like yeah, nobody liked him enough to call him local That ship. seems like an affectionate nickname, and his Tigers career was notable for being just a just a dumpster fire. Yeah. Um I think a lot of old timers just called him Cecil's boy. Yeah. Um <laughs> He really looks like Uncle. He does, right? I never thought of it, but like now that they say it, he has the same sort of crabby look on his face at all times. I imagine his measurables are actually fairly similar to Uncle Phil's. Yeah. Um. So Prince Fielder is listed at five eleven, two seventy five, which I think might be generous in both directions. Yeah. I think he might be a little bit shorter than that, and I think he might be five eleven. He would stand next to Miguel Cabrera and like was at least half a head shorter. I would say he maxed out at like five uh, five yeah, maybe not too much shorter than that. Five five nine, five ten seems okay. Yeah. There's no way he weighed two hundred seventy five pounds. Yeah, not a chance. Sorry. <laughs> um I will say he was a tiger for actually like two years. Yeah. I really enjoyed watching him play. Because yeah. As rotund as he was... Yes, his, this is... I want... Yes, I want the listeners to know this. His swing is just beautiful. Yeah. Classic, uppercut, lefty swing. Yeah. Really, really smooth. He could hit the ball a mile. Yeah. And even though he was a big guy, he couldn't get around very well, but he busted his ass. He yes. played first base, not well, but with a lot of energy and a lot of zeal. And I never saw him... Take it easy, beating out a grounder. For that, I get, he, he ran into a lot of trouble in Detroit because his attitude, like off the field and in interviews seemed very flippant, especially in 2013 when the Tigers were ousted by the Red Sox and the ALCS. That he was incredibly happen. flippant. He was very flippant and people did not care for that. And, uh, people don't remember him fondly, but he did give it his all on the field. And for that, I'm grateful. He also is oddly graceful. So yeah. the, the weirdest thing about Prince Fielder is that his defense, which clocks in at a negative yeah. 21, uh, which is unbelievable, um, actually looked pretty good. Yeah. Like the results of what Prince Fielder was bringing back were not great, but he actually looked pretty good doing it. And he's also not a terrible runner. Like you said, he didn't get around that quickly, but it didn't look that bad. He was big on losing his helmet. Yes. Um, Not as much as good friend of the pod, Hanley Ramirez, but he did, he did love to lose his helmet, but otherwise he, he hustled and looked okay on the, on the field. Three things about Prince. One, his dad, Cecil Fielder played for the Tigers. Um, Oh my God. Oh, oh my God, Kyle. You're reminding me. I missed the most important thing about this. Keep going. Well, so (laughs) there was an amazing, so Prince Fielder as a child used to hang out in the Tigers clubhouse all the time. And so, like, he would (laughs) hang out and he would hit batting practice and he reportedly was able to hit home runs out of Tiger Stadium as, like, a 12 year old, which is amazing. But more importantly than that. Yes. Oh, I'm a fool. There's this incredible old commercial from when Cecil Fielder was a Tiger where (laughs) it's a McDonald's (laughs) commercial, which is amazing. So perfect. It's It's a child, it's a child, Prince Fielder with Cecil Fielder, his dad, and they're playing baseball in the backyard. And he's like, I'm going to strike you out, Prince. And Prince, you know, like hits a home run off him or whatever. And they like walk Armin off in the sunset. And he's like, come on, dad, let's get some McDonald's. It's great. <laughs> oh, it was, it's amazing. It was making the rounds on Facebook in like 2000, and, uh, like 11 when we all found out that the Tigers had signed Prince Fielder. A couple of anecdotes just to cement it for everybody. Um, One of his greatest playing moments ever, he hit a walk-off home run when he still played for the Milwaukee Brewers, and it's customary in baseball for the rest of the team to crowd around home plate. So when he got all the way around back to home, he like jumped and landed on home plate, and everybody on the whole team like fell back in a shockwave like he had caused them all (laughs) to fall down, which is a really fun thing to watch. I like that a lot. Um, and the last thing, which I kind of feel bad about, but it's, like, one of the defining moments of his career, was in 2012, when the Tigers were in the World Series, and he, like, really sadly rounded third base and thought he could score, and then realized that he couldn't, and so he, like, tried to reverse and just flopped on the ground and didn't, didn't even make it back to third base. How, th- how close would you say he was to third base? He was a solid six feet from the bag. Yeah. And, like, Pablo Sandoval, who's not a good-looking guy either in terms of body structure, just kind of, like, sadly walked over and tagged him. He didn't want to tag him. No, he felt bad as a fellow fatty. Mm-hmm. But anyways, that's kind of like the lasting memory we all have from the 2012 World Series. We spent way too much time talking about Prince Fielder. Yeah, Let's move on to number four. So at number four is a guy who is listed at the same height and just 10 pounds more. But I will let you do a little bit of (laughs) figuring out on this one. Number four, a guy who it's easy now to forget that he was a real champ back in the day because he's now just a punchline. Number four... Bartolo, Big Sexy Cologne. I cannot believe that Bartolo Cologne is number four on this list. Yes. Bartolo Cologne, he's called Big Sexy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what do you want? He, even in his heyday, because he's old now and that's what people think of. Yeah. But even when he was, like, winning a Cy Young Award and, like, winning a World Series in, like, 2001 or two or whatever it yeah. was... He was still not, like, a really fit guy. No. But in the last couple of years, Bartolo (laughs) Colon has been making the rounds as, like, a resurgent steroid using, like, (laughs) super old pitcher who, like, gets by on an 85-mile-per-hour fastball just by being incredibly precise. Yes. A very slow, for the listeners, a very slow fastball. Very slow. You Please, please look... Him up. If you've not been like looking at everyone else on this list, look Bartolo Colon up. He is probably he's so wide, and he's, he's got this unbelievably wide. And he's probably the squattest looking guy on this list. He might he not looks be like a frog. He looks shortest. like a, he looks like a frog. Yeah, he he looks like he literally like someone like just like pressed down on him real hard, and he yeah. like, squished a little bit. <laughs> look up. It's. He, when he played in the National League at the end of his career, yes. he had to hit, as, cause pitchers in the National League had to hit. And there were some really fantastic videos of him, like, swinging in a full circle and his helmet flying off. It's and like him, a like, backyard baseball animation where, like, do, where, uh, what's his name? Dimitri, like, swings and spins around, or Keisha Phillips, or one of the other chunky players in backyard baseball. Yes. Um, he's a cartoon. He is definitely the cartoon, the, so far, the most cartoony player on this list. Yeah. It's worth noting that I think it was two years ago, he actually did hit a home run for the Mets. Yes. And the baseball world erupted. Lost their crap. It was really a miraculous thing. He's made the the rounds the last couple of years for a couple of different teams on his little victory tour here. I think he's <laughs> currently, <laughs> currently looking for a job after he was released by the Rangers at the beginning of this year. But here's to hoping we see Big Sexy at least one more time on a big league mound. Yeah, and before we move on, I have one question, Kyle. Did he or did he not just get a new contract like two or three years ago? He got an extension or he got a new deal where he was making like legitimate money. Yeah, no, the cuz he had like a good year with the A's and then I think it was the Mets, the Mets yeah, signed, the Mets it was, signed like, him, right? A two-year like $20 million deal. That was what I remember. I was say like 15 or 20 million. Insane just insane that a person that age and of that structure could be making 10 million dollars a year to do something that to do sports sport. things yeah it's crazy ah <laughs> all right so that brings us to number four so I'm gonna recap 10 yeah. to four here so at number 10 the Molina brothers number nine CC Sabathia. number eight mo Foxy lady Vaughn number seven Kurt Butt face shilling. (laughs) Number six, Adam, big donkey done. Number five, Prince, I guess they call him Uncle Phil fielder. Number four, Bartolo, big sexy cologne. Big sexy. Big sexy. All right. So I'm going to roll into my honorable mentions here. So my first honorable mention is a guy who, upon further reflection, not nearly fat enough. I, I was picturing him being fat. He's not. He actually had a pretty, uh, pretty kick and bot early in his career and kept it for most of his career. Jim Tomei. I, I, the second you said that, I knew it was Jim Tomey. <laughs> yes, as you know, and hopefully the listeners will know someday because we'll talk more about this. I love Jim Tomei. Jim Tomei, love Jim Tomei. is, I don't know, probably your favorite non-red sock ever. Yeah. We'd love to gush over Jim Tomei, and this is coming from a Tigers fan who Jim Tomei played in the AL Central for almost the entirety of his career, and thereby, I had to watch Jim Tomei smash, smash dingers against my Tigers forever. He played for the Indians and the White Sox, and then at the end of his career, he played for the Twins. I think he hit more home runs against the Tigers than any other team. I believe that. And I still love him. He's wonderful. Uh, um, no. But you're right. Actually, surprisingly trim, especially when he was younger playing for like the Phillies and the Indians. Much more than you think. Uh, my yeah. one quick Jim Tomei thing, I saw him play live once, uh, at Fenway. He hit three dingers. Yep. That's amazing. About right. He's another one of those, at least later, one of those three outcome kind of guys. Yes. Especially later in his career. Yes. So this next little group is going to be guys who were definitely, uh, definitely had bad enough bodies. And we're pretty close, but not quite good enough to make the list. Uh, Dante Bichette, uh, mm. he loaded up on the altitude, but my goodness, Dante Bichette does not look like a professional athlete. No. Next, Pablo Sandoval. Not quite good enough. Had a couple incredible seasons. Worth noting that, uh, he broke his belt swinging one time. His nickname is Kung Fu Panda. And the owner of the Red Sox told us that he had uh, dropped down to, I believe they quoted him at sixteen percent body fat, which was not an accurate quote. Yeah, I, I don't buy that. Um, <laughs> the the I'm surprised he doesn't make the list because the panda is like a great nickname for a tubier yes. guy, and um, any man that through the process of swinging a baseball bat manages to <laughs> burst his belt yeah that's special i don't it is special se- the p- on-field performance is the problem here we have been kind of leaning towards guys that are actually really good at least for portions of their career well, that's basketball- the point i'm trying to get best bad body players Mm. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that was actually the name of the game here. So we're actually, it is. We're actually trying to get players that were good despite their bad bodies. Yes. Ah. Yes. Apologies if I did not make that clear enough. Yes, we don't just want the bad bodies. We want guys who are actually good. That's a lot of bees. Best bad body baseball players. Yes. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> yes. Because otherwise, Bartolo Colon and Pablo Sandoval are, are right there at one and two, probably. Okay. that I totally take back what I said about... Uh... Bartolo then, and I understand why Sandoval is not here because he had one good year, and it happened yeah. to be the year that they beat the Tigers in the World Series. Yeah. Yep. Uh, next two guys also on that list of really good, not quite good enough. Uh, David Wells, hmm. he, was, uh, he was he was he kind of looked like a seal. He played for the Yankees for a while there. Uh, he played for the Blue Jays, I think, back yeah. in the day. I remember him as a Blue Jay. Yeah. Um, very good pitcher. Kind of looked like a seal. Uh next guy John Cruck. John Cruck oh. actually an all-star, I think a three-time all-star, very famous for pathetically striking out against Randy Johnson in the All-Star game like 96 I want to say. Definitely worth uh a YouTube view. Yep. He's like is it's an as embarrassing and as bad as you can have. I get yes. it. It's Randy Johnson. He's terrified. Uh it's really funny to watch. I would I would take a look at that. Yep. Uh and then the next group Are guys who just are funny to look at, but really are not that great at baseball. Uh, Classic Red Sox, Rich El Guapo Garces, Mm. uh, Sidney Ponson, Dimitri Young. Yeah. (laughs) And to a lesser extent, his younger brother, Delman Young. Yes, Delman Young. Weirdly soft, uh, weirdly soft body. Um, Rod Beck, guy we've talked about in the past, Eric Gagne. Oh my god. Yeah. And then, a guy who, please get your Google ready, I actually think has the worst body in MLB history. So not the fattest, but I was Googling him earlier, worst body I've seen. Eddie Gordato. Do you remember what Eddie Gordato looked like, Kyle? I'm about to. Oh, you will. Oh my god. (laughs) It's remarkable. Oh, it it looks like he's now coaching with the Twins, so a lot of these pictures are of him then, but... (laughs) like a remarkably sort of oompa loompa-esque body like his his lower stomach is exactly the width of his shoulders yeah i think he's like exactly round in his torso like if you were to take front to back measurement and the side to side it would be exactly the same yeah i completely agree he's he's totally spherical there's a really amazing (laughs) picture of him Either playing or coaching for the Reds, and he's like leaning on the dugout steps, like kind of sexily. Yeah, I kind of forgot about him. I'm glad that you brought him up. I had too. But all right, so that's those are our honorable mentions. Uh, Let's let's crack into our top three. Three guys who are uh, baseball legends and do not have particularly compelling body structures. Number three, a Red Sox and one of the all-time bird legs, house-on-stilts situations, David Ortiz. <laughs> <laughs> so David Ortiz's nickname, Big Poppy, uh, his career war, 55. It's pretty remarkable for a guy who spent the majority of his career at DH. But for Big Poppy, what I want to point out as most interesting uh, for him is that he was listed. What do you think he was listed at, Kyle? Six. 3, 2... 270? 270, 275? 230. Oh, come on. <laughs> He's listed at 230. Even at the end of his what? career. 230. He couldn't run. He had such bad feet that he had to retire. And so he clearly wasn't getting his cardio on. 230 he was listed at. That's his like final that year Maybe of his when career. he was a twin in like 2000. Maybe. 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 I... That's unfathomable. What do you think he was actually weighing in at, at the end? At the end, 270. Yeah, two, 270-ish. Yeah, okay. See, the thing, See, the thing about Poppy that I think goes under the radar a little bit is he didn't have an ounce of muscle on him. Like, no muscle. So his weight, it's hard to estimate, because a guy like Giancarlo Stanton is naturally going to be a little bit heavier because he's so muscular. Poppy doesn't have any muscle on him. So it's hard to say that he was pushing more than two seventy, but I, I bet he was two seventy. Yeah, the thing is though that like among the players that we're talking about here, he's one of the better ones. Like he did the he did the Adam Dunn thing, but better. And yeah. it, it it goes along. He's like one of the most clutch players ever. Yeah. Um. But actually, when I it's just funny because like I don't think of him. Even though you're saying that, that he's, like, all fat and no muscle, like, I actually don't think of him, but I th- I don't think of him as a fat guy. Which is weird. He never, he didn't get the fat guy reputation that he deserved. Yeah, I just, I, honestly, I would, like, I'm kind of surprised that he's this high. I don't think I would have thought of him on my list. Um I urge he, you to look at some more pictures of him, just to reacquaint yourself with his physique. He's, I mean, he's a big guy. He was big poppy. I think. God, he, like, might have been the slowest, like, if you forced all of them to run away from something, like a bear, (laughs) if every Major League Baseball player was running from a bear, I think, even among some of these other guys, I think Big Poppy is the one getting eaten by that bear. I agree with that assessment. He was definitely, if not the fattest guy out there, definitely the slowest. Yes, he was definitely the slowest. Yeah, um... I mean it, it helps that you watch this guy play for your entire life basically yeah um whereas I only got to watch him pretty much you know a, a fraction of the time you did but yeah, I think that I think to me the the piece of David Ortiz's career that's so emblematic of his status as you know bad body baseball player is just watching him as he finishes up his swing and leaves the batter's box. The amount of time that takes is unbelievable how much time it takes him to get started running. Yeah, he's got this weird, like, hitch, like, cock in, like, the end of his swing where he has to, like, stop and, like, pause and situate himself. And then, like, you know how a train starts? Like like that? Yeah. It's like that, but it never gets faster. Correct. That's just how he runs. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Again, one of these easily one of the slowest players I've ever watched play. Yeah. Uh so number two is an another guy who is not going to blow you away with how chunky he is, but if you look back at pictures of him, there is not one ounce of muscle on this man. One ounce. And yet he is a Hall of Famer with over three thousand career hits. So clocking in at number two, Tony Gwynn. Hmm. Tony Gwynn has one of the strangest athletic bodies you've ever seen. He was listed at 185, which feels somewhat unrealistic. Now, that is likely a listing from early in his career, but he came up in baseball at a time when the home run was king. So you're talking about guys like Brady Anderson who were juicing themselves out of their minds to hit 50 home runs, allegedly. Uh, (laughs) You know, hit 50 home runs... These guys looked like bodybuilders and yet Tony Gwynn was just this chunky unathletic dude who was happy to poke a single. Just poke a single, move on. He almost hit 400.
1: Yeah, just poke a
0: single. That's like the weird thing about Tony Gwynn cuz like the other power hitter, like all the other fat guys on this list, like these guys are using their prodigious girth yep. to just hit hit baseballs as hard as they can, and they go a long way and they just Mm -hmm. take their sweet time going around the bases. Tony Gwynn took his sweet time, but it's just because he wasn't trying to stretch anything into a double. Nope. (laughs) So what's amazing about Tony Gwynn is that among guys, I I was trying to find this stat, I couldn't find it, but I'm sure it exists somewhere. Among members of the 3,000 hit club, I am willing to bet he has the fewest infield singles. So like one of the ways that you get into that rarefied air is that you're really good at turning things that wouldn't be hits for other people into hits you know you hit a ball a little deep into the hole and you hustle it out that was not Tony Gwynn's existence he was this portly slow dude who just plunked singles everywhere like I found in adult softball slow pitch that there's really like two types of fat softball players there are the guys who just muscle up and crush everything, which is like most of the guys on our list. And then there are the guys who just sort of like poke it over the infield and then just trot to first, and that was Tony Gwynn. Yeah. Made a whole career out of it. A Hall of Fame career a out of fame it. Career. <laughs> it is funny, like it's counterintuitive. He for those of you at home that aren't <laughs> don't have access to a computer while listening to this, the um guy in Elf that uh Will Farrell's character works for at Gibbons. Yes. Yeah, the guy who's always got the clipboard. Yeah. There's no swing at the North Pole. That's Tony Gwynn. So yeah. like picture that guy playing Major League Baseball and like just kind of like taking a, a swing, but not not swinging out of his shoes. Just shoe like a half hearted swing, just kind of poking it over just kind the of infield. plopping it over the shortstop and then just kinda of taking his time getting over to first base. And yep. then like, probably not even, like, pretending to take a lead. Just, like, standing no. on first base. <laughs> yeah. That was the kind of lead I took. Great pick. Yeah. Um, That's funny. I kind of forgot about him, too. I think Tony Gwynn is, like, probably the least known 3,000-hit player ever because he played, exactly. I think, every year of his career for the San Diego Padres. As far as I know, there wasn't a single at-bat elsewhere. They were more relevant then in the 80s than they yeah. are now. But still completely irrelevant. So that's part of it. Yeah, one of the sneaky great sports team names. I love the Padres. Yeah, it's a great name. It's pretty silly. Yeah. Um. Alright, so number one, there can only be one. This man is probably the greatest baseball player who ever lived. And my goodness gracious, not a whole lot to look at. Number one is Babe the Great Bambino. Ruth. Yeah, there are only two data points that matter for him on this. So, yeah. as I said, what you need to do is have a have an unattractive body and be good at baseball. Good at baseball. He has a career WAR of one hundred and eighty-five, which is by a very wide margin the most of any player. Sure, just... there's some, there's ERA and all that stuff. Yada yada. The numbers talk. Guys, incredible. Seven hundred and fourteen career home runs. Great player bad body there is only one thing that you need to know he was portrayed in film by john goodman so we're talking about (laughs) think about this just think about how incongruous this is think about what a great sport baseball is that likely its greatest player ever was portrayed convincingly in film by john goodman that's all you need to know that is why baseball is great people That is. Far better than the data point I thought you were going to go with. Um, which is just like the ridiculous, you know, how you hear like mythical stories of athletes. Yes. Yeah. Like, please share some. Like Bo Jackson, it was like, Oh, he jumped over to like a 12 a foot ditch when he was like nine or like he jumped out of a, a swimming pool or like, you know, like stuff like that. Yep. There are stories like that about Babe Ruth, but about half of them <laughs> are about his feats off the field, like eating, like he would eat reportedly he would eat like seven hot dogs before a game or like and then he would wash it down also drink a lot yeah he would wash it down like in the third inning with like a gallon of beer allegedly like like stupid like legendary things about like how much he ate and drank and smoked by the way yes no he's the king he's the originator of the bad bod great player combo he's been a top uh, he, he's been coming up a lot recently because he's also a very famous two-way player and that he was a great yes hitter and a great pitcher so arguably the greatest player of all time and arguably the worst body of all time securely number one on this list and for those of you listening who don't have a good image in their head of Babe Ruth his body is not just of sort of the garden variety like this guy's a little chunky he has the most remarkable torso to leg ratio of anybody on this list his legs don't actually look like they should be capable of supporting his upper body i mean it's the ratio is so askew so crazy off and yet he was a a pretty good pitcher and the greatest hitter who ever lived so yeah you'll get you'll get no uh no argument from here the sultan of swat reigns supreme on this list the sultan of swat all right so i'll run you through the list and then uh let's get uh let's get mixing it up yeah the molina twins at number two molina twins the molina brothers at number 10 number nine cc sabathia number eight Movon, number seven kurt schilling number six adam dunn number five prince fielder number four bartolo cologne number three david ortiz number two Tony Gwynn, and number one, the king, Babe Ruth. All right, what do you got? Okay, I have a pretty lengthy list here. I'm going to try to run through it. Yeah. Um, a couple that I'm not really serious about that we have personal attachments to, I can't believe you didn't mention it. When we were sophomores, we got into an argument about whether or not Ken Griffey Jr. had gotten fat at the end oh, of his career. No, can I just say, I've skewed towards, I tried to pick guys who were sort of wire-to-wire wire fat. Yep, but yeah, yes, that's why he's just on one Please yeah. mention this. He got really fat at the end of his career, and we debated about it, and Googled Fat Ken Griffey. And that became the start of a joke wherein anything weird we wanted to Google, we just did on Mike's computer to consolidate it. Wait, but please, not only did we Google Fat Ken Griffey, we made it to literally the last page on Google. We went through every single image that was possible. Every image that Google's algorithm had put together. There were many. Yes, he was a fat. Lot. Yes. It, it's, it should be noted that during his victory lap season in Seattle, yeah, he actually fell asleep in an armchair during a game, <laughs> and then they had to ask him to please stop playing baseball. So this is a man who was being remunerated to play professional baseball, who was sleeping in an armchair instead of playing Ken. baseball. Ken. Um. Um. Yeah, just it, worth noting, fat Ken Griffey at the end there. Yeah. Um, w- One player just for one particular body part, A-Rod has the most bodacious ass of all time in yeah. baseball. Mm-hmm. A couple, I don't know how many I'm going to, uh, I think maybe only two I'm serious about. Um, And a couple more here that I'll just mention. Uh, Bobby Jenks. <laughs> oh, Bobby Jenks, he was huge. He was famous for being associated with a beer and chicken scandal. Yes. Um. Also, for holding the record for like most consecutive batters retired at one point. Really? Yeah. And then it got taken from him by uh Mark Burley, or maybe it was the other way around. Wow. Um, just Another to, guy with an interesting to, body. Yeah. Both kind of the same ilk, and both well, not Mark Burley. Bobby Jenks was disgusting to look at. Just yeah. awful. Yeah. That beard was bad. Late in his career, definitely fat, but not so much at the beginning. Another one of your favorites, Manny, had a very goofy kind of body. So Manny's interesting because it's. I find it very funny as a guy who watched Manny and Poppy for so long together. I think that generally the perception is as you've presented it here, which is that Poppy was sort of the more muscular big dude and Manny was the fatter one. Now, locally, people actually said that Manny, when he took his shirt off and when he was like around the clubhouse, was ripped. Mm -hmm. You just didn't know it because he hid it. Now, with a little bit of hindsight, we might have a good indication, allegedly, why he would have wanted to hide, uh, what was hiding under his uniform. Right. (laughs) But he certainly got very chunky at the end of his career. Yeah. He's, there's a guy, there's a guy currently playing for the Red Sox, uh, a young man by the name Hanley Ramirez, who seems to be following a very similar path. Except not nearly as amazing. No. Do you remember the big puma? Carlos oh Lee. Oh my god. Yes. I was actually considering putting Carlos Lee on this list. He was a house. Oh, oh yeah. Huge man. Yeah. Um, and very, very good. Yep. Yeah, very good. This one, no, no, anyone will know who he, well, actually, anyone who watches MLB Network the last couple of years and Tigers fans will finally remember Sean Casey. I only bring him up because he one time got thrown out at first base after hitting the ball to right field. (laughs) Did he really? He hit a line drive, and he thought it had been caught, so he started going back to the dugout, but then he got thrown out at first base. I like that, though. Also a guy who had a surprising lack of power for somebody his size. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not really a a big power hitter. No. Two that I'm, like, kind of serious about. One, I'm really serious about. One, not so much. Another Tiger, um who, for a time, was the best closer in baseball. Like, probably a three-year stretch, or one of Mm -hmm. them. And he gets on mostly on the strength of his incredible nickname. Of course, I'm talking about Jose Valverde. Yeah. Who was ridiculously rotund. Like, his belly. Like, his upper body was... Like, if you looked at him from, like, belly button up, and then, like waist down, he looked pretty normal, but mm-hmm. his belly, like he would, in between pitches, he would just rest his, like, glove and his hands on his stomach. <laughs> and then he, like, did this weird wind up thingy. Most importantly, he was known as Papa Grande, which translates was to- he Really? Yes. Which, of course, translates to Big Potato. <laughs> I think the strength of that nickname alone <laughs> And the fact that he was for a time, like, the best closer in baseball with that, well, no, cause he played at the same time as Mariano. But he was one of the best. Yeah. I, I would actually stump for him. I, like, I don't remember. He was the first one that popped into my head when he was. No, said he's, he should be on the list. And, uh, the last one is, uh, Pete Rose. What a good oh, guy. Yes! Yeah. Really, like, really short. He probably wasn't taller than, like, 5'8". No. Um. And just, like, stocky, and it doesn't help that, like, his head was, like, perfectly rectangular, and his yes. hair was just, like, weird. His hair like... was like Coconut Head from Ned's Declassified. Yep. exactly. And yet, 4,000 career hits, one of the greatest ever to play the game. It makes no sense. He also, worth noting, uh, if we were doing just straight-up ugly, uh best ugly players, he's never one. He oh, is yeah. really, really hard to look at. Um, but an incredible baseball player. Yeah. I think the incredibleness of him, despite his body, I think he actually belongs pretty high on here. I agree. I think Jose Alverde slots in somewhere at the back end of this list, <laughs> 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 but Papa Grande, I love it. Oh, all right. Well, let's, let's get a move on. Cause we talked over an hour now about fat baseball players. Um, <laughs> that sounds like the right amount of time to me yeah so i I think those two belong on here. I'm trying to figure out who I want off. um I know that you had him really high and you've explained to me that my view is skewed. I just don't think of David Ortiz as a bad body baseball player. I just think of him as a really, really slow one <laughs> like insanely slow. um Benji Molina is. I think I think he's I don't even though he's ten on your list I think he should stay as a catcher, and the other young, the other Molinas maybe we shed them and just keep it as Benji because he was the goopiest of them. That's fair. The other one, <sighs> but see, but then he's vulnerable just because he's not nearly as good. He sticks out because he's not as good. I was sort of having I was using the team to have Benji's outrageous chunkiness. And Yadier's excellent baseball prowess sort of combine and make them a solid entrant on this list. I think the Molinas as a group deserve to be recognized here, but yeah. maybe maybe they're like our number eleven on this list. I think that's probably appropriate. <laughs> Love those Molinas. <laughs> okay, so we'll put we'll take them off. And I don't I, I don't want to take Big Poppy all the way off the list, but I'm having trouble figuring out who I want to take off after that. Maybe Yeah, see I Adam Dunn definitely sticks out in terms of his actual on field performance, but the way he played baseball his, is so perfect. It's yeah. so symbolic of no. what this group is all about. No, he belongs on this list. Yeah. And his negative war is a feat in itself. Yeah. Um I don't know. I'm actually thinking that because Kurt Schilling is like such a classic Hall of Famer yeah. Ah, but C. C. Sabathia with the so many pinstripes, and I can't—we can't take Mo Vaughn off after the stories that you shared about him. I feel like what we should do is just take Kurt Schilling off because he doesn't deserve to be recognized for anything because he sucks. I'm totally fine with that. I this is our pod. His—I I want it to be known. Our final word on him is that his bod was gross, but also he sucks, so he yeah, should be off of any list. No, he's the worst. How do you feel about putting Pete Rose like as high as? Number two or three. I think number three. Yeah. Cause I don't because I think of him more as uh as having a weird body. Not a yeah. little bit than a bad like Tony Gwynn has a distinctly bad body. That's true. Pete Rose is slightly more in the weird body category. I would agree with that. But I think he his overall prowess and the strangeness of his body gets him the number three spot. Okay. Let's put Jose Valverde at ten. Yep. And then let's just figure out what we want to do with everyone in the middle here. I think if it's all right by you, I think we should actually move Big Poppy down a ways. Because I think that Prince Fielder... We could give give, uh, Kurt Schilling's spot to David Ortiz. Where was he at? Seven. Actually, I kind of like that. I like Adam Dunn, Prince Fielder, and Bartolo Colon above him. Yeah, this feels like it could actually work out pretty cleanly. Because Bartolo Colon... Like, the memeability of his fatness and the fact that he was called Big Sexy, ironically. Yeah. I I really like him at four. Prince. I actually also really like how clean this is because this would be a perfect baseball-like three-way switch. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, okay. And I think Prince Fielder's body was worse than either David Ortiz's or Adam Dunn's. Even though both of those players are probably arguably better than Prince over the length of their careers. Mm -hmm. um because prince's was cut short unfortunately um also worth noting (laughs) prince fielder was the only other player that we've talked about today that appeared in espn's body issue oh i forgot oh my goodness i forgot about that yeah that's worth a google yeah that is i feel really happy with the rest of it as is what do you think yeah i i'm i like it all right do you want me to read it off or do you want to yeah why don't you take it away all right Number 10 on the list of best bad body baseball players. Bo body, bo body. Remember that? <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, number 10, Papa Grande, Jose Valverde. <laughs> number nine, big pinstripes, CC Sabathia. <laughs> number eight. <laughs> uh, I feel like there's some kind of like Hooters joke to be had here. Like yeah. Like boobs and wings. Move Vaughn. Number 7 Big Poppy David Ortiz Number 6 The Big Donkey Adam Dunn Number 5 Uncle Phil Prince Fielder (laughs) Number 4 Big Sexy Bartolo Colon Number 3 Pete Rose Number 2 Tony Gwynn And number 1 The Great Bambino The Sultan of SWAT The inventor of the Soft Shitty Baseball body Himself (laughs) Mr. Babe Ruth. <laughs> Fantastic, Mike. I'm glad that we were able to incorporate our love of baseball in a way that was not just like baseball, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's bigger than all that. All right. Good work, buddy. Great work. Alrighty, friends. That was our top 10 for this week. But now we'd love to hear your top 10. So please check us out on all of our available social media outlets. Traditional outlets, whatever outlets we have. Check us out on Twitter at Top10KM. That's all spelled out, Top10KM. Our email, Top10KM, spelled the same way, at gmail.com. Or our site, Top10KM.podbean.com. All forms of communication accepted, except for serial killer notes. Please don't send us any of those. If you like the pod, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never have to miss an episode of Top 10 ever again. If you didn't like it, please tell us why. We'll try to make the show better. Our theme music was composed by Kevin McLeod, and our artwork was created by Aaron Sant. You can check out her stuff at Sant Design on Instagram. Alrighty, goons. We'll see you next week.